trying to make ends meet, trying to match everything up. How's it working out for you? You know, is it... Uh, You're trying to jump all over the place and avoid circumstances, situations, conflicts, pain, suffering, all of those things. Folks, when the Bible said, I'll raise up a peculiar people, he wasn't kidding, amen? He was not kidding. We didn't have really any idea of what he was talking about, um, probably at the time, there are days when I don't have any idea what he's talking about even now. The only thing that I can proclaim to you, to you this morning is God is still God. Jesus is still on the throne. There are miracles that I am still waiting for, that I'm still crying out for. There are miracles that I know individuals that are in my life that I work with, whatever. Miracles that they're waiting for, that they're still crying out for. But you know something? In spite of that, in spite of my own personal disappointments, in spite of my own personal failures, in spite of my own personal lack of faith and trust at times, I am here to say to you this morning, God is still God. He's still a miracle worker. He's still on the throne. Bless his holy name. Amen. Amen. I never cease to be amazed at, at people. And if I were to title this message this morning, I guess it would be titled Ownership. Every, every, every time I get an opportunity to either preach or teach or simply sit down and talk with someone, I feel like that I'm personally being challenged by the Holy Spirit to convey to them to see it another way. Most of the people that I work with, that I sit with, they're, they're destitute. They don't hardly have a friend in the world. They've burned so many bridges, made so many enemies. Uh, we've lied so much. We've been sneaky and conniving and underhanded so much that people have drawn away from us. Due to what? Due to our own devices. Amen? Our own ability to try and simply get by. Ownership. You know, I, I noticed the, uh, some of the words, well, all of the words, but some of them in particular, in the songs that we were singing this morning. And one of them that jumped out to me was, Our God Saves. Do you still believe that? You know, maybe it's just me, but I don't tend to hear that a lot anymore. Even in messages and things like that. I don't tend to hear a lot of just simple salvation messages. Is it because as pastors and, and teachers that we're trying to grow up the body of Christ and there's not many individuals coming in that simply need to hear that message? Is it because that it's just old news and, and we need new news or what? Our God saves. Well, I want to challenge you and challenge your thinking in regards to what really happens when salvation comes into our life. When we really go down to the altar and we pray and we ask Jesus into our heart, what's really taking place? What is God's expectations? What is our expectations of what's really taking place? When we talk about ownership, let me first talk to you about you own your life. You were born, you were raised by your parents. Excuse me one moment. You were raised by your parents. You reached the stage of adulthood, and you and I simply, for, at some point in our lives, took ownership of our life. 
some a lot sooner than they should have due to circumstances, whatever it is, but you considered that you owned your life. You went where you wanted to go. You did what you wanted to do. If your parents challenged you or anyone else challenged you, it's none of your business. I'm an adult. I'll do whatever I want to do. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever spoke some of those words, so to speak, as though you were ownership of it? And then, by being owners of our own life, it started to unravel. Anybody ever seen that? Oh, I know that it's, it's not me personally. My life has never unraveled, but I've seen a lot of other lives unravel. <laughs> so at least we can agree on that, right? It's not our life unraveling, but Lord knows the people around us, their lives just all over the place. Okay. It's unraveling. It's coming apart. It's not that we can't make things match up. It's not that we can't make both ends meet together. It's that we, can't even, we don't even know where they're at anymore. We've been so all over the place, we don't know even where to start. Due to what? Due to the fact that you and I felt as though we knew best. We knew how to make it work. We were making our own decisions. We were doing our own things. Even now, as children of God, and I'm supposing that I'm preaching to a house full of saved and sanctified and delivered and set free individuals, if that's the case then let me help you this morning to get a better understanding of why you and I struggled so much. Life is full of trials. Jesus said it. I don't know why we keep forgetting it, and we keep blaming him. You know, it doesn't amaze me anymore. It just, I guess it infuriates me, to be perfectly honest with you. God gets blamed for everything. I am so glad today, Pastor Todd, that my understanding of who I am, of who he is, has grown up a little bit. Maybe not a whole lot, but a little bit, at least enough to know that I'm starting to buy into the fact that everything isn't God's fault. In the world, in our government, In this city, in this county, everything isn't God's fault. Even in my life, when things don't work out, when things don't go together, when I can't, folks, I am the world's best at trying to figure things out, at trying to make things work. I love math, and I'm really good at math. I said I love math, and somebody said, uh. (laughs) Well, it helps me to make things happen, figure things out, get going, make it work. I understand that 2 plus 2 equals 4. You know, that's I have the answer to that. That's exciting to me. Two plus two equals four. I know that answer. It's exciting to me. And I know that may be very simple to you. But in life, we strive to know the answer, don't we? And I've learned that pretty much in my life, That beyond 2 plus 2 equaling 4, I don't know much of anything else. So if that's the case, and if that's true in my life, then I need to find something or someone who does. I've lived most of my life being in charge of my life, making my own decisions, all of those things. And finally, at some point in my life, I came... I heard a message, I heard messages, and I decided 
I need to do something. I need to get my sins forgiven. I need to be washed in the blood. Somebody died so that I might live. I mean, literally, the word of God is full of things like, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. Does that sound like somebody that has an ounce of ownership over what's going on and what's taking place and what's happening? Does it? It's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. Now, we think about salvation and, and coming to the altar and crying and weeping and snotting up and all of those things as though our sins are forgiven. Uh, he's forgiven me for making a mess of my life, and now I can go and live it the way I want to live it. He's going to rescue me. He's going to fix it. You know, I can still lie. I can still cheat, just not as much. Salvation is an add-to rather than an ex a life-changing experience. So when I proclaim to you this morning, when we surrender, there's something we've got to be surrendering. The very term, surrender, ownership. We seek our way. We seek our things. We seek our will. We seek our own ambitions. Do you know that the word of God in Philippians 1.17 says, Some preach out of selfish ambitions. Listen to that. It's not only in the world. I'm not preaching to the world. This message wasn't given to me to go out on the corner and preach to the world. It was given to me to present to you. Some preach out of selfish ambitions. That means that they're in the church, that they're preaching to the body of Christ, that they're not all right, that something's wrong. That they're still taking ownership of something. Folks, it's in the church. It's not all out there. The church is full of people that are simply trying to make it work once again. And there will be people who leave churches today after service that will go into next week and they'll proclaim by Monday, by Tuesday, by Wednesday, one of those days that nothing changes. God doesn't care about me. He doesn't hear me. I pray and I pray and I pray and nothing changes. And they'll worry about and they'll try and fix and they'll uh, stew over and they'll wring their hands and all of the things that human beings do. The ladies come to the Hope House and I hate to, you know, to interject Hope House into my messages, but that's who I am. That's what I do these days. But they come to the Hope House and everything's wonderful and marvelous for the first few days or the first few weeks or three or four months. And then after three or four months and into the fifth month and into the sixth month and, you know, they're having a difficult time finding a job. And, and I say, well, have you prayed about it? Yes, I've prayed. Pray with me, Pastor. Pray. And we pray and no job comes, and, and they're worried about it, and they're frustrated about it, and, and they're trying to make it happen, and, you know, they're making calls, and they're going to places, and they're trying to find a job, and all of a sudden, something's wrong. God's not hearing me. God doesn't care. Look at my life. Nothing ever works out. Just one complaint, one accusation after the other. And I sit with them and I say, if that is true, then why are you here? If you cried out in a dark jail cell, if you cried out in a dark alley somewhere, if you were homeless, if everybody around you had forsaken you and left you and you cried out and God brought you here, does God, he doesn't hear you? It's because you want to be in charge. It's because you want a certain job. It's because you want to do it your way and you want it now. 
It's the same way with us. It's, you know, there's no sense in you and I throwing the women of hope under the bus. It's the same way with us. We cry and we plead and we beg. Some preach out of their own personal ambitions to get what they want. I don't have any dog in this fight. I'm trying to make this message personal. I'm trying to say to you, I am my biggest problem. Learn from me. If you don't hear my words, hang around me long enough and watch my mistakes and see God deliver me from them and hopefully watch me learn from them. One thing I'm trying to do in my life is not do the same thing over and over again expecting a different results. I'm trying to learn from that and learn that God is God and he is in control. I'm trying to learn that somebody did something for me to redeem me, to save me. He bought us. In 1 Corinthians 6 and 20, and you're just going to have to give me time to turn there, okay? Unless you want to read it. And where are my glasses? And this pause is brought to you by old age. 6 and 20, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. I do not want to take scripture out of context. I certainly understand that this scripture in this particular portion of uh, the word of God is talking about sexual immoralities and that sort of thing. But the one thing that I want to get across to you is that somebody paid a price You and I have been redeemed. You and I have truly been saved, and somebody wants to take charge. Somebody wants to help us. Somebody wants to convince us that you're not your own. I bought you with a price. Now leave it to me. Whatever it is you and I are fretting over today is something that we simply can let go. As Pastor Todd had talked about earlier, as... Josh sang about earlier, if I forget names, you're just going to have to love me anyway, amen? That woman, uh, my wife, Connie, she's my wife. <laughs> so, you're just going to have to love, and she loves me anyway. Sometimes in the house I walk through and I think, what in the world? What's your name? <laughs> just love me anyway. But they sang about it. We've talked about it. Letting go. Letting go. Pastor Todd, with tears in his eyes, talked to us this morning about being real and raw and honest and saying, I came in here carrying things that obviously weren't mine. One of the perplexing things in life for me is trying to figure out what it is I'm supposed to carry and what it is he's supposed to carry. Pretty perplexing. For me, this is just me. I got a simple solution. I just dump all of it on him. I don't worry about any of it. Watch me. Look at this. I took a step. Guess what? I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. He washed my sins away. He's made promises to me. And guess what those promises are? I will direct the steps of a righteous man. I can't, folks, I can't do so bad that he can't get me out of it. Boy, I like the sound here. This is pretty cool. I can't. I can't go so far that he won't 
bring me back. That's my grandbaby right there. That one too. I can't go so far. I can't make mistakes that he can't figure a way out. When you, I've been in places where I felt like there's no way of escape out of this. They're just, you know, I've looked around, I've searched for it. Anybody ever been there? You may be there right now in your life that you feel like there's just no way out of this. Some people, maybe you're facing uh, consequences for your decisions and your behaviors. And you're facing a battle with DA or with the judge or with jail or prison or whatever it is, and you think there's no way out of this. I've tried everything. I've, please, please, please get me a lawyer. Get me the best lawyer you can. Oh, no, nobody's listening. Everybody ran for their lives. That's right. And guess what? When you and I are stuck in places that there seems to be no way out literally there really isn't any way out guess what happens the word of not my word not pastor hank's word not pastor Rhonda's word just call out in your own mind your favorite minister the guy that you hold and esteem to the highest of highs not his word those are just words of men I could try to sit with you and tell you today, don't worry, don't worry, sister. Something's going to work out. Just try to hang in here. It's not worth running over. Just try to, I could do all of that, but you know something? Those are just words. I can't guarantee you anything. But what I can say to you, what I proclaim to you this morning, without one ounce of doubt I'm not embarrassed about it I'm not ashamed of it I don't hesitate to proclaim to you this morning God makes a way of escape where there is no way of escape God will knock walls down he'll knock doors down he'll knock ceilings out God makes a way of escape where there is no way you know the reason you and I can't find a way is because there isn't one. But you know something to those people who are truly surrendered and just has, have, we've given our lives to Jesus Christ? No worry. No worry, brothers and sisters. I won't fret over it because God's going to make a way where there is no way. That's who... He is in my life. That's who I want him to be in my life. That's who he keeps whispering in my ear and shouting from the mountaintops, I want to be in charge. I want to be in charge. You were bought at a price. That price is, I've, I've jumped all over the place, but let me just try and emphasize that that point to you uh, in Acts 20 and 28 bought with his own blood ransom or redemption the word bought in Greek means to buy in the marketplace of slavery the idea is that Jesus Christ has paid our ransom and bought us out of what before we talk about the, the, the act of bought, what is he buying us out of? Out of our own enslavement to sin. Anybody ever been in, caught up in sin in the place that you simply felt like you couldn't say no? It's a, it's, it's a human thing, folks. Human beings get caught up in things and situations where they simply don't have the power in and of themselves to say no. Now my question to you is, am I speaking to, ministering to human beings? If I am, can you hear me? 
Anybody ever been caught up in a place where you felt like you couldn't say no? Sin, the power of sin had you so enslaved, had you captured in a place that you simply couldn't get out. You tried everything. You tried quitting. You tried managing it. You tried just doing one that turned into ten, that turned into a thousand. You tried moving. You tried switching jobs. You've tried switching mates. You've, you've tried everything to get free of this thing called sin. Out of an enslavement of sin, out of our enslavement of death, out of our enslavement to hell, his death met all the demands of God's perfect judgment. God's judgment was completely satisfied with who? Who? Jesus Christ. Whenever I'm in church, you'll know that I'm in church because you hear this voice that says, Jesus! Why? Because I owe everything to him. You know, my family's been good to me. My children have been good to me. My wife has been good to me. I so appreciate them. You know, there are times that if I didn't have them in my life, my life would be boring, solving their problems or helping them to solve their problems or one of the callings of my life, praise God. <laughs> They've been good. My wife is a good wife. I love her. I appreciate her. But when I come in the church or when I'm driving down the road, Pastor Todd, when things are a little bit heavy on us, uh, you don't hear me say, Connie! When I need a way of escape and I need somebody to call to help me out of real tough situations, you don't hear me call, Connie! It's Jesus. Somebody paid a price. Somebody bought me. Somebody set me free. Somebody loosed me. Somebody's doing for me what I can't do for myself. Somebody's healing me when the doctor said there's no way out. It's Jesus. Oh, praise God. I don't know what kind of time y'all are having, but I'm having the time of my life. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. That's Romans 3 and 24. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Galatians 3.13 In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. There's several other scriptures, but I'm just going to omit them for time's sake. But I want you to notice, what is it according to? Is it according to riches and gold? Not by corruptible things, the Bible says. When, when you throw gold up to God trying to buy him off, he says, that's so corruptible. That's so worthless to me. When you throw diamonds and, and silver and gold and all of the precious things that we so count valuable, we throw them up to God. He says, are you kidding me? I don't want your money. I want you. I want you surrendered. I want you to know that who's in charge. When you leave here today, I want you to have at least an idea that God can be in charge to the point that you just have to let it go. I know human nature causes us to worry. Mostly for me, it's worrying about, now what should I do about this? Is it my responsibility? Is it his? What's going on? What's taking place? And I, I might dabble in it a little bit and try and fix it and work on it. And if it's not getting any better, guess what? I'm just going to throw my hands up and say, I, I don't know. Not too long ago, Business-wise and all of those things, 
we were really, really suffering. We were way behind on everything, and, you know, money was owed to us through companies that we worked for, but they weren't paying. They had plenty of money, plenty of money, but they weren't paying. Oh, how infuriating is that? You know, we got bill collectors calling us and all of these things, and we're out of money, and they got plenty of money, and they owe us money, but they want, that's pretty frustrating, and I get pretty frustrated, and I was getting angry and all of these things, and suddenly it just came on me, you know, I can't do anything about this. Somebody else has got to be in charge. We've talked, we've negotiated, we've, we've tried everything that we know to try, and at some point I just simply had to say, this has got to be a God thing. I've got to let this go. Oh, my heavenly Father, you and I have been given the glorious invitation to cast all of our cares. Nicole, all of them, from our back to our finances to our own, own life and our own joy and our own lack thereof and all of these things, cast all of our cares on him. What does it mean? It's like casting. It's like fishing. Put it out there. Throw it out there as long as it's guys, gals. I'm, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not big on fishing, hunting, all of that. I, it's, it's good. It's great. You know, whatever. If I never went hunting again, I'd still be a satisfied man. If I never went fishing again, I guess I would still survive and live. But the one thing I do understand about fishing is you can cradle your rod and your reel and stroke it, and kiss on it, and all of those things, and tell it how wonderful it is. But if you never take it in your hand and cast it out, you're not going to get anything. Take a risk. Take a chance. Live by a little bit of faith. Just throw it out there. See what happens. Cast all of your cares on me for I'm able for I am able to do exceedingly now these are scriptures folks this isn't me this is what God says I am able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think according to the power that works where that works in you in me in a surrendered man and woman. All of our frustrations, all of our worries. Where is it going to get us? We plan to do this and we plan to do that. Let me share something with you. The importance of planning. Or not planning. The importance of being reminded that God is in control, God is in control, God is in control. All right? The year is 1911. The man is Bobby Leach. The place is Niagara Falls. His plan is, I'm going to go over the falls. And he lays it out and he plans it out and he puts it together. And I'm sure if he's a spiritual man at all, he's praying over it. I don't know what's compelling him to do this, but he's doing it anyway. And in a metal, um, what you call it, barrel, specifically designed for safety and that sort of thing, Bobby enters in. Anybody who cares about him is probably praying Saying, oh God, he's crazy, he's lost his mind, but protect him anyway. All of these things. But careful planning, looking out, watching. Bobby's in the, not the trunk, what'd you get? Barrel. Y'all gonna have to help me out here a little bit. And he's going down, and he goes over the falls, and he survives. The first man that has ever survived going over Niagara Falls in 1911. 
Oh, he gets a few bruises and all of that. But because of his careful planning, because of his uh, soliciting help from others, all of these things, Bobby survives. And he does an absolutely wonderful, marvelous, great feat as it was known back then. Well, what we don't know, a few years later, Bobby Leach is walking along, carefree, not a care in the world, probably minding his own business. He's not probably praying, God, direct my every step, any of these things. And in his walk, Bobby slips on an orange peel. Now, this is a man that went over Niagara Falls in a metal barrel. Thank you, brother. I don't know why I want to keep saying trunk. A metal barrel. <laughs> if I say trunk, just ignore it, okay? You know what it is. And he survived it. And then he's walking along and he slips on an orange peel. Oh, how you and I, we can handle the big, we can surrender giant things to God. If we got cancer, guess what? There probably isn't anything that you and I can come up with that's going to cure it. So we're going to solicit all kind of doctors, help, surrender to other people, all of these things, look online, see what advice is given, all of There's nothing that you and I can really do about it except continue to pray and seek all the help that we can get. Amen? But if we got a common cold, oh, we're going to work on that little booger. We're going to do this and do that. And Grandma said this. And, you know, boil, boiling water with some of this in it. And you stick your head over it and whatever. I'm going to, I can fix this. I don't, doctor, Connie, you can, I don't need to go to no stinking doctor. Jesus, I'm a real man. If it kept you up last night, go to another room. I'm a real man. Uh, this is just a cold. I got this thing. I'm trying to make an example for you. Not of you, for you. He slips. He breaks his leg in a couple of places. 19, 15, 16, whatever it is. Complications arise from that break. Guess what? Bobby Leach dies from a broken leg. And the complications from that broken leg. The man who went over Niagara Falls, the first human being who ever successfully went over Niagara Falls because he carefully planned. He sought people to do for him what he couldn't do for himself. One day he was walking, slipped on an orange peel, broke his leg, the complications, and he died from a slip on an orange peel. Bobby was willing to do this but you know something real sold out men and women surrender the big things and they become smart enough to surrender the little things casting some of no most of no all of your cares on me because I am able. I can do what you can't do. He is still God. I don't care what you see out there. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what you're experiencing. I don't know what your thoughts of. Maybe you're thinking about the election and vote for this one or for that one or, or how's the country going to turn out if I vote? I don't know. Be perfectly honest with you. I don't have any confidence in anything that's going on other than God. There's only one person, one being. There's only one help for this country, for this world, and that is to turn to Jesus and for God to surrender this, my own life, my own world. 
to him. Folks, unless my steps are directed of God, unless the Holy Spirit is directing me, there is an orange peel waiting for me. Oh, I've been really good at surrendering to big things. I, you know, I know what I can and can't do. But there are so many things in my life that I feel like that I can fix and I can do that are orange pills that if I get too tied up in it, I'm going to slip. It's going to break. And something's going to happen. I know we suffer trials. Could you possibly risk you and I going through trials without so much bickering and backbiting and complaining and blaming God what's it about why is this trial in my life what's taking place and it's so irritating me anybody ever been there well they started the music praise God so that must be a cue Maybe you could shut up and we could go eat. Don't stop the music. I want you to keep playing it. I'm just poking at you. I've already talked with you. Listen. 1 Corinthians 10 and 12 says, Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Not my words. Wake up. Take heed. Listen. Somebody's wanting to help us today. Somebody's wanting to really be in charge. Oh, but pastor, this thing is so agitating and aggravating. Why? Surely God loves me more than to send this my way. Surely he does. In closing, Genesis 41, 52. This is Joseph talking. God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my afflictions Joseph said the enemy meant this to take me under to take me down to destroy me but God who is in charge meant it for good you want to know what God's doing in your life he wants to give you something he said oh he has trials and tribulations everywhere he has no that's the means. The results is he wants to give you a pearl. Do you know what it takes for a pearl to be produced? A little grain of sand that irritates the oyster. He can't get it out, and he tries to get it out, and he starts producing Oyster juice. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> and it's forming something. Is it irritating you? Are you starting to find that you're producing oyster juice? <laughs> I got I got nothing. That's the best I got, okay? Don't, don't be a hater. It's forming a pearl of great value. Out of our afflictions and our pain and those things that irritate us, something wonderful is going to happen. It's God's way. The body of Christ is not filled with spoiled brats. 
that never have to go through anything, all the time, nothing but good go, comes to their way. Guess what? If that were the case, everybody would be godly people. Oh, God, if I could just win the lottery, you know what I would do with it? If God blesses and answers prayers like that, everybody would be winners. Do you know how many people are praying? But you and I say, oh, he hates me. I'm stuck with this bill. I live a good life. I help people. I deserve to win the lottery. They're just going to waste it. I prayed. God, help me to win. But he didn't answer it. Do you know how many people pray? God, help me to win the lottery. Just being real. Just talking about it. But you know what God will do? Out of that thing that irritates you. That is so pricking you. You say, oh, pastor, please. I want him to remove it. I want him to remove it. I want him to remove it. I really believe I deserve it. Okay. Let's compare your present circumstance to someone else. That, in my opinion, really deserved it. That's someone else's Paul, who suffered beatings very close to death, imprisonment for nothing that he had done other than preach the good news, stonings, shipwrecks, and ultimately being killed. For the gospel's sake, Paul said, this thorn in my flesh, will you remove it? Paul felt as though probably I'll be a much more effective minister if you remove this. Nobody knows what the thorn in the flesh was, but you know something? Out of that great man of God and one of the greatest men of God who's ever walked the face of the earth, completely surrendered. Many of what I've just quoted you, he was the writer of. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. God said, my grace is sufficient. I am going to produce the pearl of pearls in your life. And present it to this world. So you see, when we come to the altar and we pray and we think our sins are forgiven, whoopee! Now I can cut loose. That really isn't what's happening. Repentance is, I'm willing to turn and go another way. What was our present way? Oh, self-seeking, selfish, having it our way, making it work, doing it our way, all of those things. The Word of God says, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. That's Psalms 121, verse 7. That whole chapter, 1 through 8, is tremendous. I do not think that God's arm has become too short to keep his promises. I do not think that our Heavenly Father's ear has become dull and he cannot hear us. I do think that he sees a great battle in the very near future and he wants to raise up some men and women of courage men and women who know how to surrender things men and women listen you know I am trying to close maybe you need to turn the music up or something I don't know bless those people's hearts that throw these ladies at the women of hope under the bus their families and all of that I don't really, I only have a little bit of a clue. The courage, the dedication, and the strength that it takes, first of all, to stay at the Hope House. 
I can only stay there a few hours and I got to run for my life. They live there. And they come there without any hope, without very much expectation, with very little faith, and then God starts doing things. Look over here. Look at the babies over here. Folks, I'll agree with you. These ladies don't deserve these babies to sit in their laps. They were in a way where there was no escape. But God didn't give them what they deserved. God gave them what the cross and their faith said he would give them. He gave them their babies back. It takes great dedication and strength. Listen. If I am going to follow somebody and walk with somebody, I want to walk with somebody who's really come through some things. Amen? That God has brought them out of some things. Somebody that's never had any tragedy, never had any problems. I, I know they caused it. Jesus. There ain't a problem in my life that has happened that I ain't caused. And get mad if you want to, but you're your own worst enemy. The problems in your life you caused. By your lack of faith, our lack of trust. We're always trying to make a way out, trying to find an easier, softer way, always trying to find a way of escape. And when it gets so bad, we then turn it over to God. I do mean when I say this is closing. I'm I'm not saying I'm going to close. This is it. God will keep that man and that woman in perfect peace. Who what? Whose mind is stayed upon the Lord. Not occasionally. You you can only go to church so many times a week. You can only read your Bible so many times a week. Only have so many devotions. We got to work. We got to raise babies. We got to do, we can only do that. But what we can do is keep our minds stayed on God night and day so that when those orange pills are before us, we can say, wow, I believe I'll walk around this. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your care, for your commitment. It is all you. It is simply all you, Father, in Jesus' name. How you have rescued us and watched over us and taken care of us. It's all you.